Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Oh God, we are thankful for the gift of today. We're thankful for your power and presence, for your love, for your son Jesus who binds us all together in this baptism that is at the heart of everything we do. We open our scriptures now, your word, to hear what you have to teach us about living like Jesus in an age of division. We close our conversation about that after many weeks of discussing this. We come to a very tough parable today. It seems they're all tough in their own ways. Help us to hear clearly what you have to say to us. Send your Holy Spirit, O God, to open our hearts and minds to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and may the people of God say, Amen. We are in Luke chapter 16 today. We'll hear uh, verses 1 through 33, I believe it is. No, 1 through 13, I'm sorry, 1 through 13. This is the word of God. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered a hundred jugs of olive oil, which was a massive amount. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 50, 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly, for the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? 
No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and be devoted to the other, or love the other and be devoted to the one. You cannot serve God and wealth. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Let me just go ahead and say, this is a strange parable. Okay, it's very bizarre. Jesus seems to be celebrating the dishonest manager. And that can't be right. We just, we know in our minds that just can't be right. And yet there it is in black and white. Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. That's very troubling. And yet Jesus says that from his own mouth. It does help to look back in chapter 15 to realize that we're, we're still in Jesus' teaching on the lost being found. The whole crowd gets to hear about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son and his brother. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and he talks about the dishonest manager. Are you getting the setting of how this is playing out here? We've got a manager caught embezzling. We've all seen this movie before, haven't we? We know, we know what this is and how this works. Hey, man, we know what you're doing. We're going to sit down and go through your records line by painful line to find out exactly how much you have taken from me. And guess what? You're fired. We know how this goes. And the manager is quick on his feet. What am I going to do? It, it, it is very much like when an investment advisor in today's world changes firms, and we all know that he is not supposed to contact his clients. Who are the first people that he calls when he leaves the boss's office after giving two weeks' notice? Who does he call? He's got all his favorite clients on speed dial right there on his cell phone. He calls him right up, hey, friend, for the next 60 days, I can't call you, but you can call me. <laughs> It's been a pleasure to, to watch your portfolio triple in value these last few years when I've been in charge. I don't know what's going to happen now that I'm gone, but here's, here's my cell phone. You can call me. We've seen this movie before. We know how this works. You can see the manager in Luke 16 flitting around from place to place. Hey, how much do you owe the boss? Oh, a hundred jugs of olive. I'm settling things up. Let's, let's just mark that hundred down to 50. You owe a hundred bushels of, a hundred containers of wheat. Let's just say 80. Nobody's complaining, right? Nobody's complaining about how this plays out. When we hear, when we hear that commendation, when the owner realizes what he's actually done, we hear something that sounds like commendation. It actually is something more akin to one thief being impressed by another thief's brazenness. That's what we're hearing. Look at you stealing from me twice. I'm impressed, but you're still fired. That's, that's what we're hearing in the Greek here. Jesus says, the children of this age, of this world, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of the light. Perhaps we could learn from them about investing our possessions in something of lasting value. This is a shift that we miss in the Greek. Invest your wealth, your possessions, to cultivate friendship with those who will welcome you into the eternal homes. Now, who could that be? Who will welcome us into the eternal homes? Well, go back to Luke 15. The list is there. The least, the last, the lost. That's who. The sinner who once was dead and is now alive, the one who was blind but now can see, these are the ones, the sinners who will discover the grace of God, the ones with whom Jesus ate 
the ones whom Jesus welcomed, chapter 15, verse 2. Invest in them with all of your stuff and see what God will do. But what about the dishonesty of the manager? Well, this is where the children of the light have the edge, isn't it? We know what it is to be faithful in the little things, to be honest and true in the little and the much. Because of the Holy Spirit, we know exactly how to do that. Jesus invites us to invest in the least, the last, the lost with the kind of faithfulness and honesty that comes from following him. In verse 12, when Jesus talks about faithfulness with what belongs to another, Jesus helps us understand that all of the money and stuff that we think we have actually belongs to God. You and I hold it as a sacred trust to be used as the Lord sees fit. Putting all these pieces together, we come up with a question. How are we then investing God's possessions wisely, faithfully, honestly in the least, the last, the lost? That's what's happening in Luke 16. This is the question that Jesus poses to his disciples. Whether you have much or little or something in between, how are you disciples wisely investing that which God has asked you to hold in sacred trust into the well-being and wholeness-seeking of these sinners with whom Jesus spends his time? How are you doing that? How am I doing that? That's the question. The Pharisees are overhearing. They laugh at Jesus. They just laugh out loud at what Jesus is saying. Jesus says to the Pharisees, you people worry about what everybody else thinks about you, but God knows your hearts. From what is pri- for what is prized by human hearts is an abomination in the sight of God. What is prized by human hearts in this story, money, greed, power, self-centered living. There's our abomination from Jesus' mouth. Look around us today. So much of the division we feel in this present age isn't actually about the many stated issues that we fight about all the time. Rather, at its heart lies exactly these things, money, greed, power, and self-centered living. And we who follow Jesus, we, we have our toes in that nasty water every single day. What in the world is a Christ follower to do as we try to live in this world that is so complicated? Jesus has answers for us in Luke 16. The first and the most important, a major shift in our thinking must come All that we think we have belongs to God. We have to get that in our hearts and in our minds. All that we think we have belongs to God. Ultimately, God is going to sort out all of this stuff as the new creation emerges in its fullness. In the meantime, we have a very important choice to make with our possessions. Will we invest them wisely, faithfully, honestly in the work of God unfolding in the world or... Will we just wade further out into the nasty water of greed, making holy and faithful sounds while laughing at Jesus like the Pharisees and still doing the same old shady stuff we learned from that dishonest manager? Jesus teaches us so clearly, we cannot serve two masters. You will hate one. You cannot serve God and wealth. 
It is a principle which applies to us whether we have much or little or something in between. Jesus invites us to live as investment managers on his behalf, realizing that all we have or hope to have is held in trust for God's work in the world. This is not the world's way at all, but it is the new creation way. (laughs) The more aligned we get with God's new creation, which is unfolding in the world, the more that we can actually see it unfolding. I'm reminded of some wonderful people I've known over the years who have consistently spread all that they have before the Lord to say, Lord, what do you want us to do with all this? Whether it was a lot or a little, and sometimes it was a lot and sometimes it was a little. There was this one old man up in Cookville who kept an extra car for other people to use. Dozens of men getting out of prison used that car for years to get back and forth to their just out of prison jobs. If you've ever been just out of prison, you know exactly what kind of a lifeline that is. I know several of you in this church family who have kept folks in their extra rooms and garage apartments and their rental houses while they got back on their feet. One family here in our church put all their children in bunk beds in one room so that they could have extra room for a neighbor whose family had put her out. They did all this in a 1,200-square-foot house. Can you imagine making that work for two years? That's what they did. They did that because they felt it was important. This is what Luke 16 looks like as we live it out we begin to think differently about our stuff, about all that we have. How can it all be put to work for God's purposes with the least, the last, the lost? I'm also reminded of old John Wesley, the founder of what would become the Methodist movement. This man made several fortunes in his lifetime. He published and sold everything he ever thought and said. He wrote it down and sold it. He had his own publishing house that was so profitable, but he lived on so very little just so that all that money could go to support God's work among the least, the last, and the lost. And when he died, when John Wesley died, he was living in a little rented room. There was just enough money in his dresser drawer to pay the men who dug his grave. What happened to all the rest of that money? Invested. Invested in a way of life that shows a divided world what the love of Jesus actually looks like when it permeates every fiber of our existence. Does it permeate yours? Does it permeate mine? Our investments tell the truth. (laughs) Go home today, look at yours and see what they say. If we don't see new creation, we've got work to do. Let's do that work together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen. (laughs) 